about it. The, the number one thing year after year that most churches report is the most uncomfortable thing in their church is the meet and greet. And yet at this church, one of the hardest things to do is to draw you guys back from the meet and greet. So I don't know. Maybe that's why Lighthouse has survived since 1949. We actually are a friendly church. We like meeting people. And uh, hopefully when you come here, you feel welcome because uh, you guys are always hard to reel back in, you know. You guys doing good? You doing all right? No turkey hangovers? You're all good? I'm the only one? Okay. Well, you have stuff in the freezer. I have none. So if any of you have excess dark turkey meat, feel free to find Pastor Jeff and drop it off our way because uh, I can never get enough dark turkey meat. So along with that, we got a bunch of things going on. Hey, if you're a young adult, 18 to 28, just want to let you know we're meeting tomorrow night. And uh, we love having our young adults. There's a bunch of them on stage this morning. So um, we're really blessed and encouraged. And maybe one day you'll see a young adult worship team. That is something. Yes, it is in the works. Let me tell you right now, it is in the works. And so we're really excited about what the future holds with our young adults. Likewise, if you're one of the ushers or greeters, or if you would like to come join us in the ushers or greeters, um, we're going to be meeting directly after the service in Building A which has a myriad of names. So whatever name you'd like to call it, um, the family room, the faith room, the faith cafe, the living room, the living cafe, whatever room works for you is fine. If not, it's just the one with the A on the building across the street. That, across the street, that would be lovely. We've got some food. So I won't keep you too long, but I do have food. So I will kind of give you some reason to kind of come and hang out with us. So Ushers, greeters, if you're already on, great. If you're not, you want to come join us. If you're new in the church, one of the greatest ways to just get started is just join the ushers and greeter team because then you get to meet everyone as they're coming in. And, and as you can tell, every week there's a lot of new people coming in, right? So it's a nice opportunity for that. Other than that, uh, Pastor Eric's down in Palomar, so keep him in prayer. Um, that is his escape pod for him and his family, and we're so blessed that they have that. Palomar's really good to him about that as well. So he's spending some time pulling some trees apart trying to find some crosses. If you guys know Eric, he has this thing about pulling trees apart and making crosses. Um, I have one of the exquisite crosses in my office. I feel very blessed to have it. A tree gave its life for my cross, so I'm very <laughs> blessed to have that. <laughs> Along with everything else going on in the church, super busy. So thank you guys for being patient, and I will try to get through this message so fast that you will think that a message actually happened. So be patient. It'll go fast. We've been in a book study in the book of Ephesians, which is awesome. Um, it's a letter. So even though it's broken up sometimes in chapters and verses, it gets a little confusing. It's a letter. So he wrote it just like this to a group of people. And so just want to make sure one thing before I start today, the last week's message uh, really is they're all connected. It's a single thread that runs through all of it. And so today, as we talk about relationships again with children to parents, parents to children and employees to employers just know that the thread started last week with marriages and it's all because the first three chapters we understood that god has filled us up he's given us his holy spirit we're not doing this thing alone and through the power of the spirit of god that's in us he's built us up then in chapter four he said because you're now built up and empowered by the spirit you can be participants in this thing called the body this is the body of christ Right? The church is just not a building. It's mobile. It's moving. And so Monday through Saturday, the church is happening as well, which is why I'd like to report to you the church was happening in South Africa this weekend <laughs> as our brother Don, a missionary, went to go see his family. And in case you haven't heard, I'd just like to share on behalf of Don and his family. Don was able to be a missionary to his own family. And the understanding is not only a large portion, but all of his family came to the Lord 
this weekend in South Africa. So that is, uh, that's, that's sisters, brothers. This is what being a missionary does. So for me, early Christmas about being in the body of Christ. And so Don, thank you for sharing that with us. Chapter five talks about the idea that since we're filled up, we have the opportunity to do something, to be something. Um, we have the benefits of being part of this body. And that unites us. That means we don't have to fight and then thrust, you know, I'm in charge, you're in charge. We already have a situation where we're in control. And then you move forward to sacrificial relationships. So the idea of relationships, last word, is that we would address that S word, right? The submissive word. And realize that we're all under this covering. And um, I like the word umbrella, right? It's like, it's not over me, it covers me. And in light of that, I can see the relationship I have with the Lord. If I don't want to be under the covering of the umbrella, I can move out into the weather. I can move out into the rain. I can move out from that if I choose. But in light of that covering that's over me, I have the willingness to see that value that it is for me. So as Paul continues to kind of walk through this, this week we're in chapter 6. And so as he moves to chapter 6, he's just getting the natural continuum of relationships, starting with marriage, as now he's going to move forward with children. And uh, if you have kids with you today, we just want to encourage you. There's some great stuff in here for kids. But whether or not you're a kid, we all need to understand this because we're all going to be grandparents or coming alongside of them. This is an important understanding. The idea filled up with the Spirit, kids, you too can have the same kind of relationship. Being filled in the Spirit, being under the covering of your parents' authority, there's a way that God wants us to be. And there's a reason for that. There's a blessing that comes with that. So um, if you have a Bible, you may want to turn to chapter 6. We're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 9. If you don't have a Bible in the back of the chairs, there's these Bibles that we have. And feel free to keep them, too. If you've never had a Bible before, we want you to have it. Just a final reminder, too, the idea that chapter 5 and chapter 6 are are disconnected is not the case. Listen this week as you see all the connections, this this thread running through the continuum of this whole teaching, all right? So let's start with verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Verse 2. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Verse 3, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Verse 4, and fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Verse 5, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Verse 6, not by the way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And seven, with good, we will render service as to the Lord, not to man. Eight, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, that he will receive it back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And verse nine, masters do the same thing. Give up threatening, knowing that both the masters and yours in heaven and that there is no partiality in him. So just that first word as he starts, children. I found that very interesting. The fact that Paul's addressing a letter and writing a letter to a body of believers means something. And a lot of times we we skip to obey, which we know that's going to be the most important word. But let me just step back to children. If he's writing a letter and he addresses children, then under that pretense we can assume something, that children are present during the reading of the letter. And I think that kind of helps us as a church realize the precedent that children are to the Lord. So from the very beginning, he's both instructing the members of the church and the children as though the children are present. And I think that's great because we already know that God has a heart for children. And Paul also comes alongside that and saying, you Ephesian body, before I first speak, let me speak to your children. So it makes sense to me that that's why we invite you every week. If you have children and they can be part of the service, 
then please let them be part of the service. We try to make sure our messages are understandable for both children to our most mature believer. And that is the call that God gives us. That's just a little side note, but I was really excited when I found that in my studies. Obviously, the focus of this first verse is a key word, obey. And obey means to hear under, to listen attentively. And that be, that's because the parents are going to be this umbrella. I like this covering word. Parents are going to be the umbrella, the authority that covers their children. And because of that, parents are also the what? They're under the authority, the covering of God. So it's a natural sequence of being under and covered by. Now, Paul recognizes that parents are to do something or to train up a child. There's a way that a child needs to know to go because the child does not know the path that the Lord wants for them. This is also affirmed in a very famous passage from Proverbs, Proverbs 22, 6, which reminds parents to train up a child in the way that he or she should go. In other words, if you don't train them up, there is a way they will go, but that's not the way that the Lord would have them. So parents, he gives you specific instructions, myself included, that we're to teach and model for them the way that the father wants. And it all starts and stems around obedience. And because of that, we have to listen. So once again, Proverbs 1.8 tells us, do we have to just listen to one or the other? Proverbs 1.8 says, hear my son, your father's instructions, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. I think that's super significant because, as you know, Proverbs was written by one of the wisest men in the world. And so he's telling us there's going to be a team, an umbrella of authority over you, children. And they're both going to be working to instruct you in such a way that shows you a different path, that shows you a different way. And you need to listen to them. Why? Because no training is required to become a terrible two. Right? If any of you have ever come alongside your two-year-old, it's not like you send them to a weekend seminar about how to scream when you don't get your toy. Right? This is natural part of our human nature. And when I don't get what I want, and when I don't get what I receive, and when you take something from me that's mine, I have one option, and I'm going to use it. It's called screaming, and I'm going to scream at the top of my lungs and let you know just how displeased I am with you trying to train me up. But as any of us know, it's not in our best interest to let that child have victory in that. We have to show them a different way. And that's why Paul says it all starts with this. Everything we have starts with obedience. We work as a team, and even Jesus himself showed respect for the same system, right? He says in Luke 2.51, And he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in his heart. Jesus himself submitted to the authority, to the covering that was over him. It wasn't that he didn't know. It's just as a full human, he wanted to show us that there's a pattern and a way that we're to live and to respect. And that's so important because the DNA that we're all born with will show us another way. It will show us another path and it will seem right to us. But we have to be corrected and reproved out of that path and shown a different way. And unfortunately, parents, let me just say to you, adults, non-children in the room, maybe you did not learn this thoroughly when you were a child. Maybe you did not learn obedience to God from a very young age. And maybe even today, as you sit here, you struggle with the idea of obedience. You know, I'm reminded that the scripture says, faith comes from what? Hearing. But if you hear and you don't obey, if you don't respond to it, then faith still is not able to break through that wall, that DNA, that sin barrier that's inside us all. We need to hear and we need to obey. It reminds me of a little song I used to sing when I was a kid. Some of you will remember this. I'm not going to sing it, Heather. Don't worry. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus 
than to trust and obey. You know, we've lost a lot about the simplicity about how we were raised and what we understand and the significance that obedience plays in all of our lives. So Paul says, look, parents, before we go anywhere else, adults, before we go anywhere else, let's just focus on one thing. Obedience is something that all of us need and whether or not we've learned it or fully embraced it, it is the key component. As he continues to transition with children, he moves into verses two and three and he says, because of this, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Now, the word honor means something very distinctive. It means to prize something, okay, to fix value, a very high respect or great esteem. The problem is children don't understand that. And our goal is that one day they will come to understand that nobody loves them more than us. I mean, obviously the Lord, but I mean, as parents, nobody will love them more. Nobody will offer to take care of them, provide them food, give them shelter, provide coverings for them. And of course, when you're sick and having one of those kind of moments, who is it that comes in and takes care of you? Probably not dad, but mom. Mom will probably come in there and take care of you, right? (laughs) No one wants that kid when he's that sick. But you know what? It's what parents do. It's the umbrella of love that we get to shelter our kids with. We get to show our kids. And as the showers of life try to fall upon them, we get to be their covering over them. But parents, here's the problem. It's not easy raising a godly man or woman. It's not. It's a challenge. And because that, parents, if they learn something like rebellion or see something like rebellion in the home, then chances are what's modeled for them will be caught and taught and then taken with them into their adulthood. And they're going to be a rebellious adult. If they can't learn what's right and wrong in the home, they're going to struggle with what's right and wrong out in the world. It makes total sense if they're disobedient and disrespectful to you. You can be assured one thing. As they become adults, they will be disobedient and disrespectful to the people around them. And that's why the scripture says, not so with you. That's not the way that we're to be. Now, that's not saying that's not the way we're inclinated to be. We're inclinated to be that way. But we have to train that up. We have to, we have to break that pattern and show you a different way. So it's actually under you, parents, the very authority that God has instituted that's so important. Because if kids learn to rebel against you, then they learn to rebel against the actual authority that's over them. Do you see the connection? We're over them. God is over us. And so that chain of authority breaks if they rebel against us. God loves us, and he's instituted our parents to be that covering over us. He wants us to be a, well, a well-rounded well Christian. He wants us to have the fullness of that. But it's not going to be easy. It's, who likes being corrected? Who likes being disciplined? But I can tell you one thing. It will never be easy, parents. Children, it will never be easy to do what's right. But one thing the word of God assures us, it will always be worth it. Why? Because it's the first one with a promise. It says, if you obey and honor your parents, it will be well with you. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of promises that the world makes. There's a lot of promises that TV makes. And for the most part, we have this, you know, in one ear and out one ear mentality. But when the word of God and God himself makes you a promise, children, I want to encourage you to take a moment to stop and think about that. It will be well with you when you honor and obey additionally a long life you know that may not be that exciting to you but a long life is also a gift from the lord it made me start thinking about other cultures you know our american culture is kind of weird when it comes to long life families parents this whole thing you know there's a culture out there who their idea of respect for their parents is as their parents get older they provide for them 
as their parents get older, they don't put them somewhere else or take them somewhere else. They take them into their house. And from a very young age, this culture is taught this is the right thing to do. And as I reflected on this message and the Lord kind of spoke to me about that, I thought about that. You know, my own parents live in town and it's a huge struggle trying to figure out what to do with them. And wouldn't it just be different if our mindset was like a different culture? And I'm, if you guys don't know the culture, you can do some investigative research and find out. It is built ingrained into that culture. They take care of their parents. Why? Because they have high respect and esteem for those who have provided for them. And that's what that culture and that's what that tradition teaches them. Doesn't that seem so much more biblical than ours as we struggle to, you know, we'll take care of our kids, even our older kids as they get older. You know, we're willing to put them in the house. I'm, I have an older kid in my house right now, and I love the fact that I get to spend some bonus time with my daughter. But there comes this time when all of a sudden we want to disconnect from our family, and the Lord says, that's not the way it should be. I wrote this down because the reality is Paul says that the relationship with parents is so important because it talks to us about how we start to see something like the role of the father in a child's life. And so as he continues in the teaching in verse 4, he gives the specific warning to parents. Now he's going to talk to the fathers. And he says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Now the word provoke, it means something. It means harsh, unjust, insightful words which cause your children to be enraged. Now, there's lots of different ways to do that, but some of the main ones are showing favoritism among your children. If you're being overprotective of your children, overcritical of your children, simple neglect would do that, and obviously any type of verbal or physical abuse. Parents, you need to guard yourself against this. You need to be in prayer on a regular basis, asking for the Holy Spirit's indwelling, as we talked about through the first three chapters, that he can give you the strength to do something. Why? Because we want to teach them not to rebel against authority. They're already under authority, and we want to teach them to respect and honor that authority. That helps them with their relationship with God, to understand they're under his authority. Instead, he gives us two key words that we can focus on, that we can come alongside our children. The first word is discipline. Now, discipline means something very specific at well. It means to tutor or create orderly conduct, a prescribed pattern that requires training. Now, if you think about that, doesn't that make perfect sense? I mean, we have a very orderly God. If you think about creation, if you think about anything about the structure of our faith, everything about that is orderly. So it makes sense that God would want us to be prescribed, taught in such a way that we also learn in orderly fashion. As I said, no one had to teach the two-year-old how to be the way they are. So if you don't teach them something else along with, you don't teach them there's a different way, then once they begin to learn these patterns, it becomes more and more difficult to break. And that's why as he goes to the next one, he says, so what they need is instruction. Now, instruction means something very different. It means to warn or to, to admonish. This is a different type of direction. This means if you do this, there's going to be repercussions. So we want to learn how to do the things that the Bible says to do to avoid these falling off left and right. Now, I think this is a very interesting story for me because at no point in my life did I ever stop and teach my children how to steal. There was never a point in my children growing up that I sat them down and said, okay, today we're going to go over stealing and the basics of it. But one day, as I took my child, unnamed, to the grocery store in a stroller to get some items for my wife. I pushed the stroller, put the items I want on top of the stroller. The child sat in the stroller, seat belted in, and everything was copacetic, checked out. It was a glorious moment for me as a father who succeeded as getting the items my wife prescribed. And upon taking the child out of said stroller, something appeared to me. 
a large quantity of items at the eye level appeared in the stroller. Anything colorful, hair scrunchies, bags of Skittles, things that looked like would be fun and enjoyable for a child at that age, all became gathered. We were shopping, of course, and shopping continued. And you know what the worst part about that was? Was returning those items created another level of anxiety that I wanted to avoid. So both I found out there was stealing problems and then the anxiety of having all the items that she had just borrowed returned, right? I didn't have to teach my child that. That just made sense to her. You see something and you want it and you get it. How many adults do we see every day being arrested for that same mentality? These are behaviors that seem natural to us. This is ingrained in our DNA. This is our sinful nature at full scale. And so our ability to address that, to teach them, for them to learn something, it's, it's something that's crucial. You know what, though? The problem is, fathers, you're, you guys are under attack. And when you look in the world today and you see divorce and you see the TV shows and everything going on, it's hard to see any kind of representation out there that makes any sense. Every TV show that I see that shows a father shows them some kind of nincompoop or doofus, right? Totally incapable of leading, totally incapable of being anything. And they've even gone as far as to say not only are human fathers nincompoops, but let's make an animated family where the, the whole show is the essence of this one father's stupidity for all of us to revel in. Right? We laugh at it, but it makes me very uncomfortable because that's called conditioning. That's called training. And the world is training us up in a way that it wants us to be. But that's not supposed to be that way for us. We're not still, you know, is there a problem with watching that? I guess not. But the problem is, as soon as someone sees that, it takes away from the value that God says, you parent are supposed to have. You father, you're supposed to fill this role. And if you don't, someone else will. That makes me sad because dads are so important. Why are they so important? It has been clearly shown that our relationship and understanding of our earthly father directly correlates to our relationship and our understanding of our spiritual father. Absentee dads, absentee relationship with the father. And you say, Pastor Jeff, that's great. But unfortunately, I got a whole other situation going on. I got an absentee father in my marriage. You know what? When I was writing this, I started thinking about all the single parents that we have, all the single families that I have to deal with. It's not just dads who go absentee or moms who go absentee. Sometimes they both go absentee. And we got grandparents raising kids. Can I just take a moment right now to pray for you? If you're a single mom, a single dad, or a single grandparent trying to do both roles, it is absolutely difficult at best to, to do both roles with both people wanting to be active. But if you are trying to carry that torch on your own right now, can I just take a moment and pray for you? Father God, I just I thank you for the opportunity to see the value of structure. I thank you for a simple thing like an umbrella, which serves such a great purpose in rain. But the idea that there's parents out there that have walked away from their duties and left their children high and dry and asked the other parent to carry that load. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that you would specifically empower and dwell in those parents that are trying to do the impossible, trying to be father, trying to be mother to their children, grandparents that are trying to be younger age parents that are able-bodied and to go and do these things. Father, would you miraculously show your favor to these who are in that situation? Father, would you protect our marriages Would you protect our marriages from thinking that the the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? Because the reality is the person that pays for that is our children. And the children are our greatest blessing. There are our quiver when our quiver is full, Father, is this great blessing. And so we want to protect our children. Would you protect our marriages? Would you protect those today who labor on behalf of a great cause, but do so, Father, at only half speed? In your son's name, amen.
You know, when I think about that, Paul has to address this issue. He has to keep working through something. He has to realize that within the congregation, there's another contingency of people. You know, when he started the letter off with children, that made it clear that children were present. But now as we, as we talk about the next sequence of verses, he's going to address slaves and masters, which means that slaves and masters are also present within the body. And what Paul is saying is just a reminder to all of you, there is no difference in the body of Christ. There is no Jew. There is no Greek, right? There is no free. There's no slave. There's just one body freed by the blood of Christ. And so he's going to address all of them because they're all together. And he's going to say, hey, look, I need to speak to you specifically. In Christ, we are all free. But let's just go over something. You too have responsibilities. You too have a role that you need to play. So in verse 5, he says this, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, not according to the flesh, but with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as is to Christ. Now, we don't have slavery anymore. That seems pretty clear. But the principles are important for us to look at because they show us a lot about the relationship of employee and employer. So in the context, both slaves and masters had a relationship, and that relationship was earthly. And in that same context, the slaves, the employees, were often treated poorly. So what Paul says to them when he says, according to the flesh, he says, I want you to realize something. There's a time and a place where you, employer, are being placed over your employees. Same structure, same scenario, right? You, employer, are being placed over your employees. So slaves, employees, look at that structure in such a way as the same way you do any other relationship. And don't work unto them as though you're working for your employer, but you are working to God who covers the whole structure that we're under. Now, I love that because Paul uses the exact same verbiage in Philippians 2.12 when he talks about salvation. And I know people wrestle with this one, so listen to this in context. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right? It's the same verbiage from the same guy to a different group, the Philippians, a different body. But what he's saying, the same thing. We're not working out our fear and trembling to man. Our salvation is not something we earn, but in light of our salvation, in light of what God has given us, there's a reverential awe. The word fear there, Proverbs 1, 7, there's a reverential awe, a gratitude, a thankfulness that comes from. So we don't just labor to man. We see past man and we look up to the Lord and we labor all things unto him. And that's so crucial because we, verse 6 says, we can't do things by eye service. We're not men pleasers, but we are slaves of Christ doing the will of God. Now, that means so much more to him because what it means is employees, whether or not someone's watching or whether or not someone knows, has nothing to do with the level of work that you do or how how much time and energy you put in it. We labor unto the Lord. We give the Lord everything we have because that is a reflection of gratitude, not attitude. I'm going to say that again because the reality is so much of us, what we do when it comes to our job is attitude, right? Like I have to. I need to. I got no choice. I need the money. But what God says, you always have a choice. You have free will. And because you have a savior over providing that covering over you, that umbrella of protection, you labor as though unto the Lord. Whether they're watching or whether they're not watching is completely insignificant. This is not a benevolent act or an altruistic act. This is simply an act of worship to God. And it should be that way. It should be that way. Verse 7 says, we render service as to the Lord, not to the man. Because we know that whatever we do, whatever thing happens, we will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. All that we do, regardless of job title, regardless of respect that you have or don't have, in excellence, the scripture says, in all that we do, we do with excellence to the Lord. Let me illustrate for you from this church 
some people that I know are volunteering and serving in capacities that are above and beyond. I will do so without sharing their names, but I want you to know this church is inspirational when it comes to people who labor above and beyond. We have someone in our church who works diligently every day to provide for his family, his older kids that are in school. But yet when he has the chance, he loves to referee soccer games for small children. He hasn't been doing it for a week or for, or for a month. He's been doing it for many, many, many years. It's a chance for him to serve with excellence to the community and do something that nobody sees and nobody knows about. We have a man in this church who thinks that feeding the poor is more important than feeding himself. And so in his spare time, he's decided that collecting cans and collecting aluminum is not below him. Instead, he labors diligently, even turning in connection cards, asking the pastors to remind the church, if you have any spare plastic or aluminum cans, would you please donate them? I can make it food for the poor. We have people in our church who take care of pregnant teens. They're not just moms who are already done with life. Most of these moms are in the middle of raising their own kids, but they find the opportunity to step outside their comfort zone and do something into the Lord with excellence. They come, along, they come alongside teens who are pregnant and who need help, and they use the very skills that they've acquired to help them. We have people who go on mission trips, not just mission trips, but the kind that require selling things off so that you can go. We have people that take mission trips to their very own family so that God can work in such a way that we're all blessed. You know, sometimes it's not as big and complex as that. Sometimes it's as simple as just volunteering for the nursery or volunteer to be part of a worship team or joining the ushers and greeters. But I ask you this, who is it that you labor unto? Because if it's the Lord, he will never let you down. You will never have a bad day at work if you labor unto the Lord because the scripture perfectly says, who will you then receive back from? Stop putting your energy and your effort on laboring to man. Men will let you down. Women will let you down. People will let you down. That there's no battle for that. That's just going to happen. But the Lord will never let you down. So labor in your marriage, labor in your children, labor as a parent, and now labor as an employer as if unto the Lord, because he will never let you down. Paul says, that's why verse 9 has to conclude. So masters, do the same thing to them and give up threatening them, knowing that both the masters and yours in heaven is there and that there's no partiality with him. What does that mean? It means respect people. That's what God wants us to do, to love and respect people as though he loves and respects us. The masters, in this case, the employees, are to treat those employees in such a way as to please the Lord. Give them the, You've been given this authority over them. Now use this authority in such a way that you bless them with the opportunity to be over them. The ultimate umbrella that we have is God. The ultimate umbrella ref- reflects a relationship with the ultimate authority who's over all of us. Who was it that sent the son? It was the father. And what did the son do? The son came to do the will of the father. He came to do it willingly under the authority of his father. You recall what happened in the garden, right? Not my will be done, but yours. He said, if it could pass, then let it pass. But in the end, he was in subjection to his father. And that subjection led him to the cross where he then died for all of us. He he bore the sin for all the world, the ultimate umbrella, the ultimate covering for the world, his blood, a covering for us all. So what does Paul want us to see? He wants us to see that there is absolute authority in the world, God, and he's created a blueprint for all of us to work under and to understand and to not fight against. He sent his son Jesus to die for us and provide a different way, a way that the world doesn't know that has to be taught. 
It needs instruction. He says these relationships in our jobs, in our ministries, in our homes, in our families, wherever we go, we just simply just do them unto the Lord and everything about our perspective can change. Paul's trying to remove the confusion that we had from that word submission. It's not a dirty word. It's not some kind of word that we use, as, a, as Eric said, as some kind of club to, to batter somebody into submission so that we can be over them. No, instead, it's a tool that we can use that's healthy, that allows us to see. Our goal is, I don't know if you misheard this last week, our goal is not to outlive one another. It's to outgive one another, right? To outserve one another. What a great challenge that is for your marriage. What a great challenge that is for your child. What a great challenge that is to you, father or parent, raising someone, or you, employer. Outlove your employees. Outlove your parents. Outlove your spouse. Because when we submit to Christ as our Lord and Savior and salvation, what's the reason that we would want to hold on to any other component of our life? Needless to say, our relationships. It's okay. Submit your relationships to him because submission is now understood in the act of what it is. Submission equals worship. It's the opportunity for us to return power and full authority to the potter. The potter is the one to choose what type of vessel he will make. The vessel could be of honor and something that many can see and all will know, or it could be a simple pot, simply used or even broken for his purpose. But either way, our goal is to submit our lives to him. Just simple lumps of clay into his hand that he might do what he wants to do. It's ultimately a reflection not of my ability to create anything, but my free will to yield my lump of clay to his hands. Lord, this morning I pray as we finish this message up and we think about all the different things that you have taught us in relationships, I pray that all of us can see that in light of what it truly is. An opportunity to submit our lives to the potter. An opportunity to say, we have nothing to bring other than brokenness. Can you put that together in such a way that a beautiful mosaic is made and the creation that you have intended me to be is manifest for all to see? Father, can you help me teach my children to be something more than what they would naturally be inclinated to become? Can you help me be the kind of parent that exemplifies you as my father. I pray this morning as you have a chance to kind of reflect on this and we have an opportunity for worship. If you need to pray about something, if God is exposing something to you and you would like to come up and pray, then feel free to come up and pray. But in the simplicity of this message, remember it started with one thing. Obedience. Faith comes from hearing. And many times we hear the word of God taught. And many times we even hear it clearly, but we fail to respond in obedience. And whether you're an adult today, a grandparent today, or a young child, I just encourage you, it's okay to not understand. It's one thing to not understand the, the amount of energy, time, and resources that have been poured into you. It's another thing if you understand that, you've been benefited by it, but you still fail to yield, to be honoring, and to be respectful, and to obey what God has said. May the word of God speak to you today in a whole new way. May the word of God relate to you in a whole new way. As Paul implored the Ephesians, understand my heart for relationships. You're not under or over anyone, but you're covered by. I pray that that frees you from any bondage you may have had before in understanding God's heart. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you for the morning. I thank you for the simplicity of this message. I thank you for a man of God who was called to write this letter to a group of believers because it's transcendent, Father. It's not just 2,000 years 
old news. It just, it speaks to us today. It speaks to me right now. And I pray, Father, that it speaks to everybody in this room. That we would see and be benefited by the power of who you are. The power of the Holy Spirit to indwell in us. To give us the opportunity to be so much more. To, we're not disconnected. We're now, un- we have unity in the body. And in that body, we can have the kind of relationships that you've intended us to have. Father, I pray this morning for all those here, the parent teams that are here, the grandparents that are supporting children, whatever aspect of a relationship you revealed to someone this morning, I pray, Father, that they would make peace with it, that they would see it in light of your eyes, to have the ears from you, to hear your heart about just how important it is that we can submit to one another, to see how we can outvalue the other person over our own wants and needs. If anything is a reflection of you, Father, then to be less is what you always said. And so I pray, Father, that we can become less, that you might manifest in being more to us. May everything we continue to say and do continue to bring honor and glory to and through your amazing Son. Amen.